and we are live. Beautiful Monday, everyone. Mila Deschamps here and my co-host, Arnalie Saponsky. It is <laughs> hardship, the now of leadership and it's hardship, not hot shit. A lot of people have been like, did I hear it wrongly? It's hardship. <laughs> the title is that. Yeah. This is the podcast we talk about the now of leadership the now of leadership where you know we talk we have to explore it in the present tense various facets of what leadership is what culture is and must become for us to create a sustainable evolving really positive environment that focuses on diversity acceptance and the heart remember leadership culture and people it needs to be embraced from a holistic perspective and and that's what needs to happen now. A lot of people talk about, oh, the future, the future. Future is not possible when we don't do it in the now, right, Annalie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have to create the future we want. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How are you doing today? It's week 10 of quarantine. I know. I'm a little tired, you know, but it's been raining, kind of downpour here for the last few days. So it's been a little tiring wearing down on you so trying to stay upbeat a little bit <laughs> well during this pandemic right a lot of us are isolated and uh, when i say isolated it's not like extreme isolation where prisoners are isolated or immigrants are isolated like we are isolated and still have the privilege but at the same time you know i see on twitter i see on linkedin a lot of uh, conversations going on where People say like, oh, you're different. You have a different belief system and blah, 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 right? And people find it so difficult to have those relationships, right? Even when you're polar opposites or have different beliefs. And so fitting, that's the topic that we're going to be talking today. (laughs) Fostering relationships with those who are polar opposites than us and to join in the dialogue with us is Nancy John. Welcome, Nancy. Hi, ladies. It's nice to be here. Hi, thanks for coming on. (laughs) Yeah, thank you for coming on. It's so nice to have you. Now, Nancy is streaming live all the way from Canada. So can you tell us which part of Canada? (laughs) Well, I am in Mississauga, which is a city very close to Toronto. So those who are not from around, like we're not Canadians, it's easier for me to say Toronto. So Annalie, like you, we are experiencing a lot of rain. It's a long weekend for us, actually. But I find like in the time that we're in right now, long weekends are one of those like, what's the difference between a regular weekend? No No way. I know. That's how I feel. Um, I'm just like, you know, it's been raining since Friday. And I'm like, well, it's not like I can do anything. It didn't ruin my weekend. (laughs) Right. Well, usually this would be a cottage weekend for us. Oh, mm-hmm. generally in Canada, especially in like Toronto and stuff, long weekends is in the summertime or early spring end up being cottage weekends. But uh, but I mean, it's still it's been nice. It's not really a big deal. We needed the rain anyways. But <laughs> rain brings life, right? Yes. Like new yeah, life, yes. blossoms life, and and nourishes everything. Even like I feel like water is so essential for everything. I love the water. I'm a Pisces. So- <laughs> I got it. <laughs> I love going to the beach. I love getting water. Um, yeah, it's it's really exciting. But I want to start a little bit on um, who is Nancy. Tell us about who Nancy is, and then we will go into the topic. Oh, very cool. Okay. Well, um, where do I start? I find this question to be such a broad question, and I always wonder where exactly do I start with people? So since this conversation is about leadership and hardship, let me start from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm i actually an owner of a leadership development company, Seed Leadership. I started that last year on my own. It's actually a, a partnership between my husband and myself, but it's something that I have actually taken a lead with uh, running with as well. I've been in the space of leadership development and people development for a very long time, especially on the learning and development side. Uh, I think it's been like 15 years or more, so a long time. And I've always wanted to do something on my own. And so last year just worked out to be a really good time to, to take a lead with that. And that's how Seed Leadership was born. 
I'm also a podcast host. I have my own podcast called Relational Introvert. And when I tell people about that, I say, for me, this podcast is an exercise in running the experiment. It's something that has given me the opportunity to do something purely for the joy of the process. I'm very much of a what's the outcome? What are we working towards? What's the plan? Like I think in that terms and I I think it's a great way to think. So I don't I don't say that now I'm not going to think that way. But a lot of times when I found myself thinking in that way there were I would miss the process of it. I would miss the joy of doing something and I did this podcast purely with that intention and it has now expanded into something that I didn't I didn't anticipate which has been amazing amazing part of that process the people that I'm meeting the outcomes that are coming for the people who are coming on uh, it's actually uplifted this platform for who I'm looking to highlight introverted leaders and so it's worked out really well in that way and so the joy of learning has now been something that I can experience in other areas as well so so that's been kind of cool um yeah so I I live in Canada as I mentioned my husband and I we live in like the Toronto area, but our family is really close by too. Uh, so we have the benefit of um, having the close knit immediate family around us, which is also uh, an awesome thing to have for a lot of people. That's mm -hmm. not, that's not really a possibility. So, um, so yeah, my experience includes not just Canadian experience. I have, <laughs> I was born, uh, I was born in India. So I have the experience of living in other countries, not just in India, but having lived with other cultures, other countries. So I have that immigrant experience as well um, throughout my life, a traveler in that way. Um, so yeah, it's it's just been, I feel my story has a lot of those mixes in there, which I feel connect very well to a lot of the conversations I'm sure we'll be right. having today. So I, I love it that you mentioned that, you know, the immigrant experience. And I also love that you mentioned that, you know, you, your podcast about introvert leaders. So I want to touch on a few different things, but at the same time, it, that's the beauty. I mean, regardless of wherever that you're born, you know, like when, when you have that experience traveling and living in different parts of the world or different parts of the States, right, you are exposed to nuanced experience when I say nuanced experiences it's it's the culture shock right like Anneli I know that you lived in Arkansas for your master's program and and you've always traveled as well but you know ex experiencing and you know kind of like immersing in different kinds of cultures even within the United States or within within a different continent right it it promotes or it gives you a sense of culture shock in such a way whoa I'm not used to this kind of conversation I'm not used to this kind of thought processes right and and then it kind of like challenges you from a core level when I say core level it's like your belief system what you have been programmed to think what right. you've been conditioned your environment and then what you believe as like okay this is how people should be this is how I will react with people who are so similar to me right and that brings us a good transition <laughs> into what we're actually talking about fostering the relationships with those who are polar opposites but <clears throat> I want to hear your experiences like you said that you were born in India and then you lived in different parts of the world. I know one of the first first questions a lot of people, I don't know if you've if you've experienced this, but for me it's like I lick brown. So a lot of the times I get questions like Pakistan, India. I don't even know whether that's a question. I think it's just a statement. And then I look at people like, is that a statement or are you asking me a question? And then they'll ask, you're from India. And then they'll make a statement. You're from India. It's like, no, not Indian. And they'll go on like, you are from India. Your ancestors are from India. So <laughs> like that's polar opposites too. So I, I want to understand if you have had those kind of experiences or only if you have got those kind of experiences as well. Yeah, for sure. I've had that experience. Um, I think when you and I first chatted, um, Mila, we talked about that a little bit too. Mm -hmm. It's it's interesting. So for me, and I know everybody's experiences are different. It doesn't actually bother me that people ask me where I'm from. I know for some that that is a source of kind of like question of why are you asking me that question? It doesn't really bother me because my history, like my... Um, story of where I'm from is part of my story. 
And mm -hmm. so I actually don't have an issue sharing it with people. I know when the question is asked with some <laughs> genuine questioning versus when it's an irritation question. So I know how to pick up on the difference between the two. So yes, I definitely get asked that. Um, being Indian, you know, it's and being brown, the first <laughs> first question usually is, yeah, that's right, that's my background. <laughs> but it depends on who's asked me and how the question's been asked that I'll know how to decipher between, okay, you're you're not truly asking me because you're interested, but you're just trying to perhaps reconfirm whatever biases or whatever you have around it so i know how to differentiate between uh between mm -hmm. those two so yeah for sure i do get that and 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 i and i'll be honest like i have been part of that as well like i have been part of asking those questions so growing up i mentioned i was born in india but i've lived in i lived in india i lived in the middle east which meant that i actually was living with a lot of international communities. I wasn't okay. always living with one group, which I'm actually very grateful for that it happened very early in my life because that made me, it put me in a place of being very, and I feel like open's not even the right word. I don't think that it really captures what I'm trying to say, but that's yeah. the word that's coming to my mind now. It's made me just very open to connecting with different people like I don't it doesn't it's not a source of discomfort for me it actually I like it I like when I see diversity in that way it actually mm -hmm. makes me feel really happy in a sense mm -hmm. that that's possible um so so having been exposed uh I I kind of very early on had connections with different cultures but then there's you know it doesn't mean you're gonna know everybody and I still remember mm -hmm. very early when I came to Canada <laughs> I think I shared this with you, Mila, where I said I encountered, like I was just, you know, walking to school, met a, couple, a few girls who were also part of, in my school, and I didn't know them. And so we were walking at the same direction, and two groups knew each other. So we just started walking, and I started having a conversation with a couple of them. And I said, I did the, <laughs> I did what you were talking about, Mila, where I was just like, oh, blah, 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 we're talking about, so where are you from, right? Like, like, what's your background? And actually, sorry, I didn't ask that. I said, are you Indian? <laughs> I think I said, what's your background? Are you Indian? And they're like, no. I said, oh, are you Pakistani? Nope. Oh. And so I went down this list of all the brown, like, you know, like people who look like me, which are the possible countries they can be from that I was aware of. And I got a no to everything. And then I was like, ah. And But the cool thing was I actually got... Um, one, it's interesting. Like I had never, I had never really had an experience meeting anyone from the West Indies. Like I didn't mm -hmm. really, like that was not something that I was that familiar with. And so that just kind of was like a aha moment for me. Uh, but it was interesting because for neither of us was that conversation an offensive one because I wasn't really trying to be offensive mm -hmm. in my ask. And, and I know how I asked it, but it's just interesting that um, sometimes you don't know. And and mm -hmm. so for me, my experience just has been like that. I've been part of the questioning sometimes and I've been asked the questions too. So it, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with it depending on how it's asked and who asked it. Mm -hmm. and, and I usually have a gut feeling about, about that. How about you only? Uh, no, they, you know, <laughs> usually people don't ask people with white skin where they're from. <laughs> <laughs> but that's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> no, but I will say my mom's been asked when she has come from Mexico. Like they will ask her, like, so when did you get here? When did you learn how to speak English? Yes. So and my mom will be like, uh, since I was born. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, you know, and it just is really interesting because my mom, like, she wasn't taught like how to speak Spanish, and you know, it's kind of sad in a way because it's like you know trying to like assimilate and. You know, it's just how like some people deal with it, but no, I've never been asked. So <laughs> I wonder also, I, I think when you when you talk about somebody with white skin, I think it's the fact that it's your skin and your accent, right? So usually people can right. assess between it's either American or Canadian. It's one of those right. two. But had you gone, had you had a different accent and you're white, then I can mm -hmm. see people possibly asking you the same question, like, oh, where are you from? And you know, right. So, right. <laughs> that's a really good point. That's a very good point. So like I mean, um, in Wisconsin, when we were in university, there are a lot of international students and um, they came from Portland, Germany, whichever, and I volunteered and I volunteered like taking them out. And it was so interesting that when we would go to Chicago because Chicago is like 40 minutes away. 
And when we get out to the restaurant, and it was so interesting how like American waiters and waitresses would ask the international students who are from Portland and Germany, oh, where are you from? You've got an accent. And I can I can immediately see them get so annoyed, like the Polish students and the German students, like <laughs> And they would get so annoyed. They're like, accent? You've got an accent. <laughs> I also feel like the dress can tell too. I feel like Americans don't dress as nice as anywhere else in the world. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's really true. Yeah, that's why I feel like um, like European men and like just really men outside America pay more attention to like what they look like. And I feel like American men will like not shave their toenails i don't know like <laughs> plaid plaid <laughs> yep <laughs> like sports tees and <laughs> baggy jeans yep <laughs> that's true that's but funny this brings me to the question nancy you mentioned about you know uh, questioning from a curious perspective versus discriminating perspective and this is one of the things um it needs to be highlighted especially when we're trying to have those relationships with people who are opposite than us, right? Um, people who are willing to be curious and learn and people on the other hand that are people like to your point, you mentioned about, you know, they ask questions to confirm their own biases, like just from a discriminating perspective. And this is so essential. Let it be in our communities. Let it be in a national level, local level schools. Because even in schools, we need to learn how to foster those relationships who are polar yes. opposites than us, even with professors or with our peers uh, at the workplace. Uh, religious congregations, right? It, just because you're a Muslim does not mean that I'm going to hate you, right? Because oftentimes in religious practices, again, it's programming, again, it's conditioning, right? Because there are a set of beliefs that people truly feel like this is going to benefit me. But at the same time, it's really important not, not to just regard them so my question is you know like questioning from a from a curious perspective how can that look like how can we shift the discriminating perspective to a curious perspective in a very respectful manner so we can build those relationships with someone who's polar opposite that much mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's a that's a really good question i feel that for me that's that's an ongoing process personally as i think about this is something that's actually very much highlighted for me recently, the idea of how can I be more curious, partly because of experiencing that with somebody else, like someone who was probably the most genuinely curious person that I met. And it was just really, really cool to have a conversation with him because it came from a place of, uh, and these questions were just the, just amazing, the simple questions. And I could tell that it was coming from a great place. So that's definitely been something that's being highlighted for me personally to say, how do I get curious about something? And uh, I think what I'm realizing right now is there has to be a little, there has to be a genuineness around it. So I find that in my process right now, it involves really checking in to see, do I really want to know about this or do I feel like I have to know about it? So then that makes me have to be curious. <laughs> and so really distinguishing between those two has been helpful for me um, because I, I can certainly say, so I'll have a, like a couple of examples and just personal examples. I remember you brought up about just faith as well being one of these things. And so as I mentioned, growing up, I mean, India is a predominantly Hindu nation. I lived in the Middle East, which is predominantly a Muslim nation. Um, I lived in Saudi Arabia, so definitely it's predominantly a Muslim nation. Mm -hmm. And I myself am uh, a Christ follower, like a Christian. So having been exposed, so I have exposure being in all of these communities and still have my own beliefs that are that are dear to me. Uh, so so kind of again growing because I grew up around it. It helped me to be. This is there's this interesting intersection between curiosity and understanding versus being like now I don't have any beliefs. And I feel sometimes maybe that's where we get stuck is that I have I can't hold on to any beliefs and I have to always it's always has to be like how do I how do I 
it always seems wishy-washy to some people. And I said, mm -hmm. I don't know that that's necessarily needed. You can have beliefs that you hold on to without it being something that you can't be curious about other people. Like, I, I think mm -hmm. there's definitely a place to have both of them. And so when I was young, this is actually many years later, probably, yeah, I was in my 20s, actually. So all, I was in Canada already, definitely. Um, I remember going to a friend's wedding and someone, the the person who was sitting next to us at our table, he was a young priest. He had just gotten into the priesthood. And I had all of these questions. And I remember our conversation was a very curiosity-based conversation. There was, mm. and I, so I recall asking him questions because I was just, I was like, I've always wondered, like, how do you, what makes you go into the priesthood? And I was like, I don't understand that. And it was just, and his response was also from a place of, like, because I guess he understood that my questions weren't coming from a place of how, why would you do that? It was more like, I'm just curious, like, help me understand. I, I don't right. understand it. And so it was really cool to, so my approach there, if I was to take a step back, was like inside, it was something I wanted to know. So I could actually be curious about it rather than I felt the need that I had to ask or I felt the mm. need that I should be doing something or I had like an agenda myself. I didn't have an agenda. I really was questioning and trying to figure out and saying, but this is what I understood and, you know, that kind of thing. So I mean, definitely that was there. And more recently, I remember having a conversation, actually somebody I met on LinkedIn and she is a lot of her, she's a, she's a nurse, like in the medical area. And a lot of her work is in helping transgender individuals post-surgery. And especially in the recent one to two years, we all know, especially in North America, I can say that this conversation around transgender has come up. And I'll be honest, like I don't have a lot of exposure to transgender people in my in my community or in my, uh, when I say community, like in my friendship circle, I, I don't. And so I've always wondered, I would, how do you expand your understanding and the knowledge of other people's experience so that I'm not just basing that off of what I see on the news or, you know, when this group says, it. and these are all good sources, but it's always great if you can just go talk to people and see what's been your experience. Right. And so I connected with her cause I, I just had questions and I said, as someone who's so connected within this community, mm -hmm. someone like me who has like zero experience or exposure or understanding of the community, what might be some ways if I wanted to understand better, what would you recommend? So it was a, it was a cool conversation. Again, it was because I was actually curious, like that was something I was interested just to find out what might that look like. Um, so I think those are some of the ways it's just for me, it's just understanding. I recognize now when I'm actually interested versus, you know, I feel like I should be interested. And I think my questioning is very different when I, when I do it that way. I love that. You mentioned that your questioning is different. Um, it's it's like I, I totally agree with you. It, there's always an angle of questioning from a very kind manner as opposed to kindness and curious as opposed to discriminating or just or just like asking from a space of confirming it and biases. Anneli, I want to hear your thoughts on this. What are your thoughts? Um, well, you know, I just think I've always like whenever people ask me questions, I always say, or wherever I like start getting curious, I feel like I'm pretty honest. Like I'm asking because I am curious. I want to right. know. Um, I want more information. I'm, you know, as we're talking about signs, I'm a Gemini and we always like to learn more things. So I've always been just, you know, fairly honest. Like that's, you know, that's my intent is to learn more, to understand. Um, and I think another thing, cause you brought up, you know, you know, talking with trans folks and learning more about like, trans folks all together and I think what was my first experience with anyone who was ever trans when I was like 17 16 17 so I was I mean that's I'm looking you know 10 years ago so I think before it really became something more commonplace to talk about you know about trans folks and for me it was just like experiencing people um and just seeing just you know interacting and just seeing them for who they were and I think that's another way that I've learned to have understanding too, is just to coexist and just to, you know, make friends with and just be together in the day to day. And I think that teaches you so much too about something that you have, you know, 
you know, people or places, ideas, things that you have no idea about. And I think it's just coming from a place just of humanity and kindness and just genuine, you know, feelings of like curiosity or I think it's just about really coming from a good place and not just being like, you know, this is a science project or something or like this is some like intense topic that I need to learn about. This is, you know, like something like Plato. I know it's just, you know, I think that there's, you know, there has to be real joy just in learning about things. Right. As well. No. I like what you said in it. It's not like a science project, right? It's and asking those those questions from a very respectful manner, from a very kind manner. Um, I I remember like moving over here, like to to the United States. It's what 16, 17 years ago, and I've always lived in huge melting pots where you know, like an amalgam of cultures. So for me, it's like living in melting pots was not a big deal and and i grew up in spaces where my dad was always like you have to be respectful to its people but when i moved to wisconsin that was the first time it was like a different kind of a culture shock where i was like when people ask me questions i didn't have that empathy i would always like are you that dumb like that was the best <laughs> thing right because i assumed i assumed that people should you know people should be um you know, wool-centric, people should have that kindness, have that know, know about how to interact with someone else. But then it occurred to me, well, I'm always learning too. It's not like I'm perfect. I'm learning. That's the whole thing. I After like 10 years, like living over there, I learned a lot. Not after 10 years, but after about three to five years, I started learning about how most people like from Wisconsin don't even leave right. the country don't even like go outside and it's predominantly not in the city that I we I lived in because I lived really close to, to Kenosha and Chicago and it was kind of like diverse over there but but still people would ask questions like oh like <laughs> like statements statements like oh I like curry too and and then you <laughs> know it, it's it's uh, to a point where <clears throat> I learned I learned that people are saying that because they are exposed to people who are who like curry. Like it's a way of conversation where to to relate with others, but they yes. don't realize not everyone eats curry. Not everyone likes curry, right? Like <laughs> so. But then again, it took me some time to learn about you know some people don't even travel outside of their their cities or towns or counties and experience different cultures or immerse in them. All they see is either from one interaction with either someone from a, a particular country, and that's what they introduce them to, or what they see on the telly, on the media, like Simpsons, right? Simpsons, that's the one with the 7-Eleven, right? Yes. Yes. So, see, like stereotypes are portrayed. So it took me a long time to really understand why people say the things that they say, right? Because even though they are their thinking is so opposite, but they are trying to understand based on whatever that they have been exposed to. So yes, that's a really good point because it's actually, if you think about it, a privilege, as I'm hearing you talk, to be able to travel. So recently, I think I was having a conversation with somebody and we talked about how, I, I can't remember, someone, someone we were seeing on TV or something had said, I don't have a passport and they were in their twenties or thirties or something. And that concept for me was just like, what do you mean you don't have a passport? We, again, my experience, we were traveling very, very young. Um, and I mean, for us, it was in, it was part of, it was my dad's job. Like it was part of life. And so there is such a privilege in being able to have that experience. So many people don't have the experience. So the question then becomes, how will they learn? And I love what you said, Annalie, around, the desire to want to like the desire is to like live life with people right and so i guess sometimes the challenge is if i'm never exposed to anything different and all i ever see different is on tv and as like something other right and unfortunately stuff like this gets politicized so that's why it seems much more dangerous the other um and so if there's never an opportunity or a desire to want to live life with other people, 
then you're never going to have that exposure. So yeah, like it just makes me step back. I'm always so, so grateful for the opportunity to have lived with and had the exposure to and having traveled um, when I was just in the younger years. I feel like that's something not everybody has access to. And, and so, yeah, there's a privilege around that. And sometimes we forget that the majority of the world probably does not have that same experience. That's such a really great, great point that both of you highlighted. Um, you know, it's the privilege and it goes back, it, it, it goes back to living in an area where I grew up in spaces where there were Muslims, there were Jews, there were Christians, there were Hindus, there were Buddhists, there, there were Jains, you know, different types of religion. So that was a privilege for me to be exposed to this kind of religion. And and that itself, you know, allowed me to understand why people practice the way that they do and to be not tolerant, but accepting and, mm. be, accept, uh, uh, and be respectful, right? Uh, because it's someone's way of practice gives them gives them clarity gives them peace gives them a kind of sense of uh, ease right it does not mean that the way that you practice religion is wrong everyone practices the way that they practice to bring a sense of clarity and ease to them and in wisconsin when i moved to wisconsin it was predominantly like every not everyone but almost everyone whom i bumped into the question was are you a christian are you a christian and when i said i'm not a christian and they would go on a rant about oh you need to accept christ and and what more and i was like thinking i've heard this conversation before from my uncles because my uncles are, are christians and they told me you will end up in hell if you don't follow christ <laughs> on the least face and all we'll of that. There. <laughs> so to experience that you know and then i would i would engage in a conversation with them like why do you think that mm. you know and and then of course me me like, i love challenging people and they they would be like oh you are an american now so you need to you know think like this and adopt the way and and of course like I had to really understand the age. Most pe people who said that to me, they were either in their 60s or 70s, mm -hmm. right? And they didn't travel much. And then I, I would tell them like, do you know Jesus is from Asia? And, and you know, of course me, the challenging. <laughs> and then they were like, no, he's white. And I was like, uh, Israel is. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> so, I mean, like, but, I was really curious, like, why they talk the way that they talk and, and like, to ostracise the rest of the world, to ostracise the rest of the people who didn't follow that. It was really curious. So I would engage in these conversations, like, why do you think so? What? And they'd get really angry. And sometimes it's not that... It's not that I, I want to irritate other people who have got different polarising thoughts or beliefs, but it's also I want to understand why do you think the way that you think... All right, like, hmm. why do you think it's good to justify? I'm not. I'm just using religion as an example, but it goes the same way in politics as well, right? Especially in the United States, like it, Republican, Democrats, and then extreme liberal liberalism, and everyone is so segregated, and everyone is like, no, this is my way, but people don't take the time to really understand we can be different and yet we can understand each other and find a common ground to solve problems or to solve challenges, right? Like, how can we reach that level will be my question to both of you. I was kind of thinking about it kind of in a different way. I think it comes to a greater understanding of why people hold these beliefs that they do. And I think well, especially, you know, having been, you know, from Wisconsin, um, lived here for practically my entire life. It's just really looking at what are the cultural reasons why we are the way we are. Um, you know, I think oftentimes we think about culture as like making contributions and potentially changing other, you know, making things more diverse. But I think there's also, right, on the flip side, culture as to why things are kind of, you would say, maybe stuck in a rut a little bit. You know, I'm looking at Lake Wisconsin homogenous, right? Like, everyone overall looks kind of the same and i was actually reading a book the other day and it was um 
about just linguistic trends in Wisconsin. And they actually showed that Wisconsin, like the state of Wisconsin used to send out pamphlets to like Germany and to the Netherlands. So they could tell them to come to like this area because it was so much like Germany. And so all of these immigrants would then like flock to our area and then bring obviously all their trends and bring their culture with them. So one, this area becomes, there's more Germans, more homogenous, right? And then you start seeing like those cultures. And for a while, like Germans did set themselves apart from everyone. They had German schools and where everything was in German and they would also learn English at the same time. And then you have, I think really big events that change and force people to assimilate. So you see like world wars happening and you actually see right afterwards that like these German schools actually just were like, okay, German's not really part of the curriculum anymore because we're ostracized. We've been othered by everyone else. So I think you're seeing just the combination of what's been happening over history. People want to be by people who are like themselves. I think you're seeing big events that impact how we treat people who are others you're seeing it with the germans we saw it like you know for me the biggest time is like the post 9 11 world is you know we see that muslims anyone who looks you know muslim or looks like they're from the middle east completely ostracized and you see those narratives coming up over and over again just be like us just be like us and well we all know that that doesn't really work right because you know people are still going to discriminate and um other and i think it's just I think it's also you look at other people, they like to evoke fear. They like to use phrases that make us all afraid. I remember when I was younger, seeing like on the news, like terror level, like what is the elevation and like using these, I feel very arbitrary metrics to figure out why we should, how afraid we should be, how not, you know, afraid. And I think it's just now we live in a bit more, you know, being in America, I think it's a fearful culture. I don't know. If, I feel like Canada is not really the same like us. Um, a bit more into like multiculturalism. I don't think, you know, the United States is like that at all. And I think, I think it would be really curious just to listen to your guys' experience as the two of you. You know, how do you actually feel? Did you feel accepted? Did you feel you had to assimilate like into like the United States and Canada? Because I do feel like mm, they're a little bit different. I feel like you know, the United States is a wee bit different than Canada. But, you know, I think it's just what is the culture that people are coming into and what is the culture that's been created over and over again? And like how we reacted to major events going on. That's a very good point. Nancy, would you like to start first? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a couple things that you brought up, Annalie, that I'm like, are make are kind of really, um, standing out to me when we think about multiculturalism multiculturalism comes with its challenge of this idea of acceptance the in a perfect world it would be that we're just this mishmash and we're all happy together and all of these things and that's not the reality because even um you know there was that movie called happy it, or a, a documentary or something it was basically it was a few years back it was looking at the happiest countries in the world Mm. And, and there's mm. been a lot of studies around that as well. And so the top, I believe the top country, um, I could be wrong, was like Sweden or like one, <laughs> one of those countries, right? And yep. what they found from in the study that they said is when we looked at the happiest countries, one of the things that was similar about them was it was quite homogenous. And it brings up this idea that you brought about, Annalie, this, you know, we do as human beings, Let's say, let's say the three of us get dropped in. We don't know each other. We got dropped into this group where we don't know anybody. We don't know anything. The first thing we start to look for is commonalities. We start to look for that. And so the most visible commonality <clears throat> is how we look. And, mm -hmm. and whether we like it or not, we kind of are drawn towards, you know, and look could not just be color. It could be age. It could be gender. It's a lot of different things. Like you look at the style and you're like, oh, well, I kind of like the way that person looks. And you know, we do those things. And so there is something to that, that the more homogenous, like if you think about people talking about the good old days, the community, all of that was a very similar looking things. And I'm not, and I don't say that as a bad thing, because even in most communities, when you look at it, there is this sense of whatever the sameness is. I don't, it doesn't always have to be race, but 
that those are the same things. And so there is something there and it takes an added level from us. So it's easy then for someone to say, well, then that means we should try and keep things more homogenous because the more homogenous it is, there's more happiness, less crime. I mean, so yeah, that's one way of looking at it. I'm like, but that, that might mean just art. There's an opportunity for us to be like, what's the next level? Because there is such great value in the diversity that you can bring in. And, and so that's, so for me it would be, how do we create that? How do we, instead of just saying the more multicultural something gets, the more crime there is, the more, I mean, there's a lot of other factors that are playing in there that we haven't addressed. You can't just plop a whole bunch of people together and be like, no, get along. Like that's <laughs> not how it works. And so there does need to be a fostering of how do we create a togetherness that goes beyond what we saw before? How do we create? And that requires this conversation that we're having right now. And, and I think sometimes the challenge is that people, sometimes when people ask questions, they are ostracized for asking the question. And I think that's also a problem. Multiculturalism and, and differences, there's nothing wrong with that. We don't have to all of a sudden agree with everything. And I think you know, we, I think we're in a culture right now is if we don't, if you don't agree with the popular opinion, you're, you're whatever, whatever label you want to put it, like you're it's somewhere or the other um, antagonized for it. And I think that is also really, really problematic. Uh, you know, cause if you, if you can't ask questions and yes, there's always going to be people who ask questions because they're just a-holes. I don't know if I can curse. <laughs> I can say anything on the podcast. <laughs> so, so, you know, there are, there's those people but I think what happens is when somebody asks a question, you just feel lumped in. I mean, even like sometimes when somebody's truly curious and they're like, you know, you mentioned Mila, some people don't have another experience. So where's their question going to come from? Their question is going to come from their experience. And so if we start creating painting people with, I can't believe you asked that. And how can you think like that? I'm like, well, that's the reality. Not everybody thinks that in, in one way. And you may not always like the question, but if we keep putting down people for asking questions, then we will always perpetuate this undercurrent of dislike and hate which you just need one person to come in and say it's okay to be that way and that's what's happened right like if we look politically and it's not just the us it's actually in a lot of lot of nations around the world where it's becoming so polarized and populist it's because there's always been this undercurrent and you just need a, a couple of people to spark it and be like boom right. it's okay to now go there now all stuff the stuff is coming out so it's always been there and and I think that's the reality of us as we grow <laughs> as, as human beings is how do we make it okay to ask the questions and, and not always be like it is a source of offense that somebody asked it. There is always going to be disagreement. And how do we disagree in a, in a loving way? I guess that's what it is. Like how do we disagree in a loving way so that we don't always, the three of us don't have to hold the same opinion on something, but that right. doesn't mean we have to dislike each other for not holding the same opinion. I like what you just said, you know, we do need to dislike each other just because we have got different opinions. And, and you know, Nancy, you mentioned about, you know, multiculturalism. It's throughout my life, I've been immersed in multicultural nations, you know, wherever I lived in, like Malaysia. My mum is from Malaysia. So that's a huge multicultural, like countries like Malaysia, Singapore, even Japan is now becoming multicultural, even though that's a dominant culture. Um, Britain as well, like the United States in different parts of the States, right? And Canada as well. But growing up, even as a child, I was always exposed to different people who didn't look like me, people who didn't sound like me, people who didn't practice the things that I practiced, right? But it allowed me to really learn. Of course, as a child, I, I, I was not kind because it's like, you know, I had my own biases as well. And we like, we all do have our own biases. But one of the beauty that I learned living in multiple multicultural nations was even though it was diversity, it was still homogeneous in such a way where we all identify that we need to accept, not tolerant, I'm not gonna use the word tolerant because when people use the word, word tolerant, it comes from a place of, I'm going, this is my tolerance level. If you step across it, I'm gonna burst. I'm not gonna use the word tolerance. I'm gonna use the word acceptance and respectful mm. because 
you can accept someone else even though it does not align with your opinions. It does not align with your own beliefs, right? You can be polar opposites and yet respect and accept someone. Uh, I used to have a friend and he is of Chinese background and one of his sisters married a Muslim. And Muslims are, you know, they eat halal food, they can't eat pork and whatnot. So even like, even family dinners, when you accept someone and not tolerate someone, when you accept someone, you cook a whole meal where the Muslims can eat, it's halal, right? You you create the space where, you know, there's no pork, there's no nothing. So you're actually you know, respecting someone else's beliefs, practices, and including them. And that itself is a testament of fostering those relationships with someone who's polar opposites by religion or practices or whatever. So when I was immersed in this multicultural nations, the practices, one of the common homogeneous things that was practiced was acceptance. How do we accept someone else without putting them down, you know, by really understanding their practices, by really understanding how they want to belong in a space where we can create, where we can all come together without any kind of agenda, right? Sometimes when you go to a party, like I'm going to use this example, when you're throwing a party for a friend whom you really, really like, you're going to be really conscious about if the guests are going to be taken care of. You take care of every minute level from the food, whether this person is allergic to certain foods, how can I create this environment where everyone feels accepted, has fun, gets drunk, you know, and leaves the party at 2 or 3 a.m. and not leave the party but the minute they come within 30 minutes. So those are the kind of mindset or, or, or practices that I was exposed to. And to the point of, you know, creating a culture like when we create cultures where, you know, everything is similar and that becomes a culture fit, right? And it happens at the workplace. It happens at the workplace like, okay, this is how you must look like. This is how you must agree like. Um, this is a safe space because when dominant cultures are built, it is built from a safe space where they don't want to be challenged, but they don't want to ask questions. And to you both of your points, asking questions is not a bad thing. Asking questions allows us to break the patterns that has been in place when no one or, or not no one but majority of the people do not have the courage to ask or the courage to challenge these questions because it's not benefiting them anymore mm. and and culture fit happens everywhere but predominantly in workplaces right and i like to add the word it's not culture fit to Anli's point it's you know you mentioned about you know people coming together creating those cultures but also culture shifts and changes, right? Like elections, people are getting tired of certain leaders in certain countries and they're like, no, we need change. Culture is about changing, it's about adding, it's about eliminating. And there's a huge portion how culture evolves is that it's addition, it's subtraction, right? If you don't like something, you take it out. It's about innovating. It's about, okay, how can we create something that benefits a lot of people and everyone? Of course, you know, People say, oh, we can't build something that benefits everyone. But look in your own family ecosystem. In your family, you have siblings, you have everyone. Your parents still make it work that it benefits everyone. How can that not be replicated in workplace? How can that not be replicated in, in your communities? In, some communities are thriving because they do have that take into consideration what everyone likes everyone dislikes and they do create those spaces so that's the whole thing like you know when we create those spaces of of let's question let's you know let's be curious let's be respectful of each other and ask those questions to really learn about each other and and find solutions because it's not just one solution it's multiple solutions that we can continuously right. trying to find that's when you know we we start the progression of fostering those relationships with someone who is different from us. Even though someone will ask, India, Pakistan, is <laughs> It's always like asking, take take the 
the statue asking questions, but in a very respectful uh, manner. Anything else that both of you would like to add? No. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that we are running out of time, uh, but we have been talking about fostering relationships with those who are polar opposites than us. It is essential to, to create a space of acceptance and understanding. Mm. You don't need to hold hands and skip and, you know, look at rainbows and rabbits and bunnies, but you can still agree to disagree, but, but do it respectfully in a way that you can still come together and have conversations. Uh, let it be in any space that you create, because ultimately everyone wants to be accepted. Everyone wants to be understood. Everyone wants to have a space of belonging. And yeah, so that's our conversation for today. So Nancy, where can people find you? Well, one of the best ways to connect with me is on LinkedIn. It's from a social media platform. It's a place that I'm pretty active. So if you just look up Nancy John, you will find me on there. Uh, you can also uh, check out my uh, website for my for my company, Seed Leadership. So it's just www.seedleadershipdevelopment.com. And yeah, check out uh, check out my podcast as well, Relational Introvert. Uh, we're on season two, and we're taking the opportunity to really highlight introverted leaders in the season. So it's been a really great opportunity to connect with some people with different ways of thinking, um, and and kind of highlighting some of the uh, introverted leaders who sometimes people don't really think about. So it's been a great right. opportunity to do that too. I love that. Oh my God. I just had this conversation. It's one the other day. It's about confidence, right? Uh, and how confidence is in singular. Like you can have a software developer who doesn't like public speaking and still lead her or his team. That's an introverted leader. And I'm an introverted extrovert. If that, if anyone can, yes, <laughs> can relate with that, it's and it's when I and I when I have I'm with the right not right kind of energy, but if the when the energy aligns with me, I've become extroverted. But most of the time, I'm introverted. So yeah. it's it's such a great topic, and people often think to be leaders is to be loud and to cut off other people to talk on top of each other and to impose your thoughts. But leadership, there's so many different types of leadership. So I'm going to check out your podcast. Please team. do, yeah. <laughs> it's been such a pleasure having you on Hotship, the now of leadership. And as thank you for being here. Anneli, as always, thank you for being a great co-host. Uh, everyone out there, stay safe. Wash your hands. <laughs> wear your mask. Wear your gloves. You know, <laughs> distance yourself. Don't sneeze on someone's face. And, and of course, during times of isolation, know that there are people in different parts of the world who are truly isolated. So let's be grateful for the technologies that you have that still connects, allows you to connect with family members, hear their voices and everything. So stay safe, wash your hands. And here is to week 10 of quarantine. Yay. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Bye, everyone.